This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. All right, I see we just broke uh, 100 on participants. So let's dive into the official part of the program. I want to remind everyone, if this is the first time you joined, I'm Kevin Cruz. I'm the founder of LeadX, where we're on this crazy mission to spark the next 100 million leaders around the world. We love leadership development programs and activities and systems. We're big on systems where participation is sky high. People can't wait to attend, where you are showing measurable results and bringing those measurable results to your leaders for more budget, more resources, and more support. But this meeting is not about LeadX. We don't do demos. We don't take product questions or any of that kind of stuff. This is really, it's an invitation-only community of practice for folks who are responsible for leadership development. So we don't allow uh, vendors. We don't allow consultants or full-time coaches. If you're one of those and somehow you got this invitation, enjoy it for the day and then follow up with this afterwards. Um, this isn't the right time to join. We even, as lead Xers, stay out of the breakout rooms just so you can have good, honest, unbiased conversations. And the way this works is in just a few minutes, I'll be introducing our guest author. We're going to be talking about her new book, The Art of Active Listening. We go into a breakout session, a mini breakout, so you can meet a couple of peers, expand your network, talk about what's on your mind. We've got a super cool case, Michael Cabe. And I think I saw the orange orange apron somewhere on my screen before. I just lost it again. But Michael, I thought that was cool. And he's going to talk about how he's using nudges for pull through at Home Depot. If we have time, we'll do another breakout. And officially, we end at 3.30 Eastern. Many of us will hang out and uh, what we call the, the after party, just to talk about whatever's on our mind, either to hang out with our guest speakers and ask even more questions, or to just have fun, talk about sports, Sixers, how come they're not making any trades, things like that. <laughs> Dwayne, I haven't, now we haven't seen you. You, you missed the last one. What's, what's new in your world? Oh, you got jokes over there, you know, (laughs) no, but um, I, you know, just got back from uh, my honeymoon, which was uh, absolutely phenomenal. We did some island hopping in Hawaii. Then I came back to reality. So I'm like, how do I keep the Zen, right? As I touch back down in the, uh, the, the, the 48, right? So it's been, it's been a fun time. It really has been. Now, someone uh, snuck me this picture, Dwayne. Look at this photo. Congratulations, Dwayne. (laughs) <laughs> what a beautiful bridal party. And uh, you clean up nicely, my friend. Look at you in a tux. Hey, only on Fridays. Fridays is a good day for me. You know, so I, I was lucky. I was lucky. And now I also want to shout out our head of community who runs this for us, who does all the hard work. Evan Watkins just got married and went on his honeymoon a couple of weeks ago. I've been begging Evan to share a wedding photo and he has not done it. And maybe because he knew I would just like share it with the world. And he he knew better than to do that. It's so nice of everyone in the chat giving the congratulations. I'm very happy for, for both of you. That's really cool. Yeah, and so you're you're back in the states, getting caught up at work and getting into the the swing of things, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a a big national sales meeting coming up that we're planning for. That we have four product launches that we're going to try to squeeze in, which doesn't make too much sense, but we're definitely trying to do that. So that's what's pretty much uh, on the desk right now. I'm not sure if I said it in the intro, I blacked out on my own intro, but like, so if people don't know or remember Dwayne, you are the director of sales training development at Hologic. And I just had a DEXA scan done. I think it was on one of your machines, Dwayne. (laughs) I appreciate that, you know, helping out the stock. Anytime you can do that, it's appreciated. Yeah, definitely the DEXA. uh, Actually, that was just added at our NSM just to shed a little more light on it, give a little more attention. It's definitely a part of uh, some of our strategic imperatives in the next year or two to give a little more exposure to it. So we appreciate uh, you being a patient. Yeah, that's awesome. It was a great, easy, fast experience. I love all that. But hey, what before, about you? You, you yeah, finished a book, my friend. Hold on. You finished a book. Yeah, it's crazy. I've been threatening to do my next book. So the best-selling book I have was my Time Management, 15 Secret Success People Know About Time Management. This is just a a draft cover, but next month, 11 secret successful people know about goal setting. It's kind of weird because like, it's not about smart goals. Like, why am I writing about goal setting? I think goals are like magic. Like they they will change your life for the better, but they can also 
be evil and wreck your life. So it's like the promise and the perils of goal setting, a little of both. But uh, thanks, Julia. Thanks, Wendy. Um, but I also want to say, and this is just like if people want to for personal reasons, this is not like work stuff. We're putting together a book launch team. So like I'll send you a free copy of the book. And if you want to leave an honest review on Amazon when it comes out in a month, that's cool. And then everyone on the launch team, I'm doing this webinar called how to write your own bestseller in two hours a week. And this is because in that one of the earlier after parties, several people on this group said, hey, I wanna write a book. And we had a really good conversation about how like I do it, how I break it down. Cause I always say like, I can never write a book. I've done 10 now, but I say, I have no idea how to write a book, but I have a system to chunk it into these bite-sized pieces that I can just put a couple hours a week in and uh, I'll get two done this year. So um, I'm gonna do a webinar to talk about that. So. So there's a link nice. for a form. If you want a free copy of the book, if you're willing to leave a an honest review on Amazon and want to join this webinar, just fill out the form and then we'll have fun. But anyway, thanks for asking, okay. Dwayne. That's cool. Do you mind being honest with us for a second, Kevin? <laughs> did you write it or did chat write it? <laughs> this one, I wrote every word. The next one, you'll have to ask me that question again. This was written pre-chat, pre-GPT. <laughs> but... So here's the weird thing about that, though, Dwayne, like ChatGBT does know my style. So I've tried wow. working with ghostwriters in the past and I've always fired them like it's been horrible. ChatGBT hmm. does a pretty good job of writing in my style. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a little bit of a cheat code. I only use nice. it selectively. It's a good brainstorming okay. partner. OK, OK. Fair uh, before we get to our guest author, we always like to give away something of value, um, some intellectual property. And this month we're giving away the Clifton Strengths Coaching Plan Workbook. So LeadX is a, a licensed partner of Gallup. We have certified coaches. And what we did was, you know, so our whole approach is how do we democratize leadership and, and development? We love learning, but we also know the knowing doing gap makes so much of it hard to remember and apply. So if you can afford a human coach to give everyone, great. And we hope you'll consider a lead X coach. But if not, like, how can you get coach-like experiences? And so with this book, what it is, and if those of you who've seen our prior books, it's 12 activities in 12 weeks. So I'm going to get this wrong, but like every page is, an, is another week that you can turn through. So it's a form. So it might be week one. All right. What is one of your signature themes, one of your strengths? that you would like to focus on. How has this strength helped you in your career? How has it hindered you, you know, or gotten you in trouble in your career? Maybe week three or four, as you build up, it's going to ask you about um, who do you work well with at work? And is it because they have complementary strengths? You know, what are their strengths? What, what do you want to develop in? So it's 12 activities over 12 weeks. And if you want this, just say, you know, give me the PDF, give me the strengths book, and you can distribute it to every employee in your company. You can use it yourself and you can just use it for inspiration if you want to create your own kind of pull through activity to, you know, a training program or an assessment. So for those of you who have gone through Clifton Strengths and maybe you're a little rusty, it's great for personal use. If you're using Clifton Strengths, Strengths Finders in your organization, just Upload it to your LMS, send it out to everybody. It's a it's a really cool free resource. <laughs> Dwayne, I just came off of a there's a, an association of like training companies, and I was just came off one of their meetings about an hour ago, and I realized like everyone is selling you know their workbooks, their intellectual property, their facilitator kits, and they're talking about pricing and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're giving all of that away. Our goal is to create reproduce every single thing you guys are selling and to give it away to, to for free. And I was not very popular in that meeting, but. Uh, <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's let us move on. Our guest today, wow, she's been a friend of, uh, for for many years now, big fan of her work and big fan of her as a person. She is the founder and CEO of Employee Fanatics, a company that helps organizations create high-performing user-friendly cultures. She's a keynote speaker. She's given two TEDx talks. Her previous books were The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty and The Art of Caring Leadership. She's here to celebrate and tell us about her new book, The Art of Active Listening, How People at Work Feel Heard, Valued, and Understood. 
Welcome, my friend, Heather Younger. Nice to have you. Oh, always nice to be with you, Kevin. Always. We originally connected because we're both geeks when it comes to employee engagement and employee experience, right? So we would we would really initially talked a lot about that. And then, of course, since so much of engagement comes from leadership development and the soft skills, it's just it's just grown. It's been nice to see your work evolve over the years. Yes. Oh, well, you know, one thing that you didn't really say is the first two books, Kevin was kind enough to endorse those. So <laughs> Kevin's name was on the front of my first book is like the big head honcho. It is amazing how the evolution that's taken place, I think, in both of our lives. It's great to see the growth. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to keep it real and say, when I first saw that your book was was on the art of active listening, I was like, huh, wait a minute. Everybody already knows that stuff. You know, like, I uh, this is going to just teach me to make eye contact, uh, to listen more than I speak, and then I'm supposed to parrot back to you exactly what you just said to me. That's active listening. Why are, why are you writing a book about this? And then I read the book, and it's like, oh, it's not that. So <laughs> why did you want to write a book on this topic? And tell us a little bit about your u- unique spin. The main reason why I wanted to do it is because the way you just described it is the way most people think of it. And I wanted to change their mindset around the right way to listen. Because most people think that listening is exactly how you described, which is super frustrating for most people on the other end. And so I wanted to document for people work that I'd already been doing over the years in organizations. I mean, our main focus at Employee Fanatics is to help organizations and leaders listen more effectively. So we that whole model is one um, I documented there in the book, but it's the whole model that I've been working for years in both the customer and employee experience space. You know, I just kind of got sick of just hearing people on reading surveys in listening sessions, hearing people say like they just no one's listening to them. They just don't have a voice. They don't feel valued. And so I was like, okay, we got, we got, listen, world, mostly leaders, we got to do something about this. So that's the reason why I took that, that first step forward. Love it. And I want to remind everyone on this call that you are all receiving a free copy of Heather's book, assuming we have your mailing address. So if you gave it to us when you signed up for the COP, great. If you aren't sure, or maybe you left that part blank, Send an email to debbie at leadx.org, O-R-G, of course, and we'll make sure you're on the list to get a free copy of the book in the mail. So, Heather, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time to go through it, but you talk about like a five-step cycle of active listening. So, can you just walk us through that a little bit? I put it's the five steps that are there. I would say mm, a couple of them might be people might think they're intuitive or oh, that's not something new. And what I would want to before I get into it, I'd want to just say is that most often these things aren't always new, but it's how they're presented and it's also how they're actually practiced. And so it's the consistency of doing the things versus just knowing about them that makes all the difference. So the first step in the cycle of active listening is to recognize the unsaid. And when I'm talking about that, I'm really referring to the things that are happening in our environment that they're there and we're most often just not noticing, either because we're just running around way too much, uh, have too many things on our plate. We want to ignore them because there's so much going on and we're overwhelmed. Or we just we have a full lack of, a, of awareness, period, emotional awareness, of you know, organizational awareness. And so we're missing some signs. We're missing signs of discontent things like that. So recognizing and said um, inside the book really says, okay, here's how you do it. The big big way to do it is to pause, is to pause long enough to insert, like insert times where you're able to be reflective and also to be super present uh, Mm -hmm. because if we're present, we can then be more aware of what's in front of us. And that, and this is with all groups. So this would be, I created this book different from the last two. This one is about the workplace, but it's about all stakeholders at work. So this would be partners, this would be uh, board members, this would be employees, this would be team members, this would be customers, this would be prospects. So this is for everyone at work and how do we help them become more seen, heard, and valued and understood. The second step is to seek to understand and seeking to understand, most of us have heard of that. Uh, but I think when we are, usually when we're seeking to understand, we're going in it first to gain something versus to give mm-hmm. something. And so I always like to be, have people thinking about what their mindset is when they go into an interaction. And is, are they going in the interaction to serve themselves first or to serve others? I'm real big about servant leadership. So serving others first is what gets us all the other things we want to get. So I talk about the mindset and I talk about just throwing away that stupid parroting idea. I hate it so much when we're (laughs) sitting across from someone and instead you paraphrase and include also what you see. So, you know, listening and active listening is a sensory experience. So it includes the things we see, the things we hear, the things we feel, the things we smell, just the entire experience. That's what listening is. It's not, it's not just one way. 
It's, it's like a tennis match. And if we are there and we're really present, we take in all that we are seeing and hearing and smelling. And when we do that, we were able to get a bigger picture of what's really going on. And now when we go back to them and we paraphrase what it is they just said, now we're, now we're saying, oh gosh, Kevin, I can see that, why that would really get you as frustrated as I can see you are. Mm. And let's talk a little bit more about that. And when I do that, people are like, okay, like she's really getting me because she's seeing all of me not just part of me and she's not going into it just to get something or gain something, but she's coming in to serve me in the moment. And that presence gets me all the results I need. The -hmm. third step is to decode. And this is where most people fall down, including me, by the way. The decoding part requires that we pause. We pause uh, long enough to reflect on what someone just said. So in that seeking phase, they've told us all this information. And now we got to go kind of back to the drawing board. We have to go back to consult with our management team. And we have to go back and do some research before we make a knee-jerk reaction and try to act on it. I always tell people, like, the action is a good thing. Most of us has an affinity to action. But it's that action it is the pausing that helps us make more reflective, intelligent decisions on those people's behalf. And they see then that the distance between what they told us and the action we took had some meat in between. And so then they see all that we're willing to do on their behalf. They see all the like hills we're willing to climb for them. And now they're seeing their value in our eyes. Now they're seeing their level of importance to us when we do that and we reflect and we tell them what it is we did on their behalf. And then that the fourth step is action, which is kind of intuitive. Let's take some action. And there's so many questions wrapped up in this action thing. Like when you think about it from a uh, human capital perspective, like dealing with and working with employees or working with team members, we often say to ourselves, how much action is enough? When do we know we should act? When should we act? Is it okay not to act? Will they still feel hurt if we don't act? So there's all those questions are embedded in that action part. But it, it is in the action that people who use their voices actually feel like we have done something. They see that we've done something. They know that we've heard them when they see evidence of our listening. And that's yeah. what action does. It's evidence of our listening. And so if we can provide evidence in people's minds, then they really start to prop themselves up as far as I actually have more power than I think. They actually value me more than I ever thought they did. I'm actually kind of an important person. I have value and worth to this person in front of me. So then the question is, what am I going to do as it relates to that, how do I respond to someone who acts on my behalf? Well, I, I respond with more loyalty. I respond with, oh, I'm piping up. Now I'm willing to go. Maybe if it's in a prospect or sales perspective, now I'm really opening my ears to say, maybe I want to buy from this person. Mm-hmm. If it's to an employee and a, like a coworkers, they're like, okay, my trust just increased because they acted on my behalf. They were compassionate as it relates to what I said. And that final step is closing the loop. And the closing the loop really is where we take what they said and we come back to them and let them know what we're going to do about it. We take what they said and we tell them what we can't do, but what we did on their behalf. Or we take what they said and we show them a compromise. Mm-hmm. So it's that closing the loop part that says, okay, you said this thing. I pondered that thing. We went to do this thing and we did that thing because of you. We didn't just do that thing like maybe over here in this la-la space. We actually did that thing because it was your voice. Your voice is powerful. And that's why the closing the loop is so important. So there you go in like a super fast um, yeah. motion, the cycle of active listening. So much good stuff here. And it seems like it would be important to make sure, like, I, I love it. And I think a lot of people are so used to the instant response, the yes answer, the no answer. Here's my decision that going away and pondering might almost confuse them or they'll assume it's a no. So talk about that. I mean, is this just something where organizationally we need to all learn how to listen, including pause and ponder and get back to people? Or do we need to just be explicit and say, Heather, this is great, but I'm going to have to get back to you later this week. I'm going to, I'm going to go ponder for a while. I'm going to come back to you. Like, how do we, how do we address expectations for speed? I think it depends. There's so many things. I think when you're in the conversation with someone, the first thing you have to do is you have to ask, see what they want from you. Because sometimes people just want you to be an ear and that's all they want. And so you need to ask permission to act. And then you need to ask them what type of action they're expecting from you. And then before you leave them, you can let them know if that's even going to be possible based upon what you know about the organization or what about what you know about your team. Someone said on your notes here that they talked about enterprise engagement and culture surveys. And absolutely, that's where, that's where this model began. This is where my work began on both the employee and the customer experience side. 
But I, what I noticed is that I did the same exact things in all of my relationships um, at work. I'm not so great at this at home. I'm still working on it. But at, at, at home or at work for 25 years managing people, I would work through this cycle just as so. And I would work through the cycle when I wasn't managing people, when it was just my coworkers and my colleagues. And I would do the same thing with customers. I'm like, this thing works. And then with organizations, obviously, uh, it did that same thing with the surveys, the listening sessions, all the things that on at the enterprise level as well. That's why I decided to say, you know what, let's just take this down on paper so that people can learn it. And I think that when we think about the action or we think about a responsiveness, Kevin, if it's something that's urgent, sometimes you're going to decode right on the spot. There's just not anything you can do. You're going to have to make a yeah. decision. You're going to have, you're not going to have a lot of time to ponder in between. And we have those situations. What I would say though, is I would venture to say that's probably 20, 25% of the time. More yeah. often than not, we can take the time. And so what I would say is, Kevin, that was, that feedback was amazing. And that gives me a lot to think about. And because I want to make sure I don't make a rash decision and then I'm really, truly meeting your needs, let me go back let me just come back to you in the next 48 hours, the next 72 hours. I want to do a little research. I want to talk to my team. I want to dig a little deeper. I want to take some time to think about this. And once I've done that, I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to come back to you with what I think we can do about it. Is that fair? And more often than not, they're like, oh, wow, shoot. Okay, wow. It just, it says to them, they're taking me seriously. They're not just throwing a decision out there. And when we do that, we increase in their minds the sense of value the sense of like inclusion in like the journey they're making right now in your organization on your team. It's huge. It's huge. Hey, Dwayne, I just wanted to ask you because like, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now to me, like you seem to be one of the better listeners. Like I've seen you at work. I've seen you in restaurant situations and things like that. Is this resonating with you? Is this kind of a model that you've been doing naturally? I mean, how's, what's your approach on it? I wrote down a couple of things that resonated with me. And the first point that Heather said is she, she said, active listening is an experience of what you see, hear, feel, smell, the whole thing. And that's once again, being fully present. And when you're fully present with people, you know, they open up, they let down their, their guards. And the next point that she spoke that really connected with me is she, she said, you know, you ask for permission to act. Once again, you're not just over, you're not just going over someone, you're engaging them in the overall experience. So yeah, I would say those are some of the things if I'm coaching people that were me or just engaging in general, I try to kind of, you know, be present and take these things in. So even though I think I do it kind of well, I think I'm like you, Heather, I'm going to read this book and maybe read it with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I always say, if you notice this, you'll see the title and says how people at work feel heard by, you know, say that because I am, I, I consider myself more of an expert or thought leader in the workplace. And so um, <laughs> right, right. Like, I, I, I'm a work in progress, like more than, you know, at home. So with four kids and my yeah. husband, so. That, that was the other thing on my mind, Heather, because you talked about work and then, you know, work in progress at home. And it does seem like this is harder for all of us at home. And mm-hmm. I was, had a weird experience I, in my newsletter I sent out recently about kind of shifting when people talk to me, including, you know, one of my kids wants to talk about Disney and I don't really care about Disney or the Marvel universe. I don't care about the Marvel universe. And often if I'm in the middle of something or I've got my to-do list, I'm not listening, right? I'm not, I'm not really present. And for me, I've tried to shift with pretty much all conversations to say, all right, this conversation is not about information transaction. It's about connecting. It's about the relationship. So what am I going to do to strengthen or hurt, you know, accidentally hurt the relationship? And I sent this (laughs) email out and I forget that my 82 year old parents subscribe to this newsletter, right? I wish they didn't, right? You know, I don't like them reading my stuff, especially when I talk about them, but my dad sends me a note and says, Hey, you really helped me because your mom comes into my office often when I'm in the middle of the computer and she wants to talk about stuff. And it's been really annoying. Now I realize she just wants to connect. And I'm like, dad, you're 82 years old and you just learned that. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So I hope that all of us, when you get your copy in the mail, go out and buy another copy for people in your life, you know, maybe maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your partner, maybe it's your brothers or sisters. Like, let's take this message, you know, also into our personal life. What's the best part of your personal life these days? What's been fun? What's been exciting? 
Oh boy, gosh. I, right now, I think the most exciting thing is that we're launching a certification program on the art of active listening. I think that's nice. the most exciting right now. And then personally, you know what? I have amazing kids. I've got one who's in college, another one heading off to an engineering school in the fall and just kind of like working with a third, now the third kid on what he's going to be doing next in the next couple of years. So I think it's got me really focused, right? On like, okay, let's, how do we you know, raise these successful humans and what are we we're making sure that we support them and the roles that they you know want to play in life and what they what, what they want to where they want to be and just helping them get a long way. And so I think that's the, the really fun part of it. It's exciting and hard. And it means you're going to have multiple ones in college at the same time, huh? Oh, don't even don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> we need to buy three books. Three, everybody buy three copies of Heather's book. <laughs> uh, I wish I wish I could say books are like a huge moneymaker. I think you know the, the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, that ain't <laughs> it. That ain't it. We are going to make sure everybody knows how to contact you, Heather. And as you mentioned, I know you have a certification program in place. So if people want to bring this model and teach it in their own organizations, they can reach out to learn more about that. They'll get a copy of the, the book in the next couple of weeks. You've got to bounce and we've got to get into a breakout room. But Heather, congratulations on the book. Thanks for making some time to join us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you, everybody. Have fun for the rest of the session. Welcome back. Welcome back to our mood music, Active Listening. I can't believe there's actually a song called Active Listening. I mean, I thought I was going to have to come up with something else. It's like, boom, there it is. It was very easy. Very easy. Hey, let's... um. Let's activate our mastermind here in the chat as you're coming back and as we're getting ready for our next segment. What's just one thing that your group talked about and uh, type it in the chat for us. We keep a transcript for all this and we share it later. Yeah, Patsy, we're gonna get that book out to everyone. That's a fun one. Mark, I'm glad you wanted more time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting, Travis, about active listening being part of a larger experience, not necessarily standalone. That was kind of my thought too, is maybe it needs to be more of a, of a standalone, but it feels like it's a it's an anchor piece of a bigger communication. Um, wow, now that's cool. Thanks for sharing. Yep, as part of coaching, so important. Todd, how important active listening is when using assessments. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Group 19 took too much time, didn't get to all of us. That's a good problem for us to have. Hopefully you guys exchange some information. Melissa Lowe, I didn't know you were here. Awesome, good to see you. Nice. All right, all right. Dwayne, how was your group? How was your group? You know, we had some really robust discussion about uh, active listening, what people are currently doing, which transitioned to the overall like coaching <laughs> aspects and the programs that they were doing. and how to, we haven't figured this part out, but where we kind of got stuck is, you know, when you have these middle managers or these people leaders who, you know, maybe just aren't good at developing people, like, what do you do? What's the magic bullet? So we spent a lot of time on that as well. So it was a great group of individuals uh, in my chat. Awesome. Good to hear it. Hey, Evan, I think if you can find Michael Cabe in the orange apron, and let's get an anchor on him as we get into our mini case. And I got to say, I'm really excited about this. So, you know, I interview someone for Forbes every single week and about leadership development, et cetera. And I'm usually, you know, I'm all alone in my passion for behavior change and nudges. And then I hear a rumor, I think it was Christine who said, hey, I just talked to someone who actually is doing his own nudges at no other place than Home Depot. I got so excited. It was like brother from another mother. So let me introduce Michael Cabe, Senior Manager, Learning Strategy at a company we all know and love, the Home Depot. Michael, good to see you again. Hey, everybody. Great to, great to be here. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Uh, our conversation, just nerding out with you. Absolutely. Just a great conversation. Before we dive into the case, Michael, I know people just like to get to know you, build a little bit personally, like Where's home for you? Where are you coming from today? What's a little bit about your background? Coming from Atlanta, Georgia. Those of y'all who are familiar, I'm in Midtown. Love it down here. You walk outside and it's walking into a sauna. So <laughs> quite, quite fun. Uh, and if you see her pop up here in a little bit, we're, we're nearing the witching hour and the puppy is going to potentially join us. Uh, she is my boss. Her name is Lucy. <laughs> uh, she's a three-year-old who is still very much a puppy, but been with Home Depot seven years. 
and absolutely love it. So my world there is I support the ongoing leadership development for all of our people leaders. And at Home Depot, that's we consider anyone from the supervisor to the C-suite, they have direct reports, they're people leaders. And that is right around 50,000 associates. Great opportunities. We do a mixture between off-the-shelf pull content and as push content program as well. And I also have a very distinct privilege of being able to work with the diversity, equity, inclusion, learning strategy as well. Like everybody knows Home Depot, but like, I don't think people, not everybody realizes, I mean, the scale, you know, 50,000 people and your task isn't just like, oh, the executives in the home office development. Oh no, you know, all the supervisors and, and people leaders. And so, hey, I feel the pain for those of you who have to, you, know, you have an organization size of 5,000 or 10,000, like scaling leadership at, at all is is tough. <laughs> 50,000, Michael, is is pretty remarkable. And I know from our chat that this kind of started back in 2019, you had a very successful high potential program done traditionally, very high touch, high quality, and you saw behavior change, you got good results, but you then realized that it wasn't going to scale at the like new director level. Kind of tell us this origin of how you ended up thinking about nudges at this new new program. Sure. And, uh, you know, to give you a little bit of context, we're an enterprise-wide leadership team. So that means I have leaders that are out in the field that are in the stores, they're in supply chains, they're driving from location A to B constantly, they're in a call center, or they're in a corporate setting, or they're working from home. So any type of environment you can imagine, we have it. So how do we make sure that we are reaching our people leaders in a way that's advantage? So we had this program, our director was our high potential director program, where if you think about the world of nudges, we had small groups, maybe about five or six people, and they would have a skip level coach. And they would have to, every single week, do an on-the-job task. We were able to, with this boutique program, have that heavy hands-on check-in. So if someone was starting to fall behind, not doing what they're supposed to do, or they weren't doing quality work, I could just reach out to their coach and say, hey, what's going on? Can you bump into them and ask what's happening? That is fantastic. And we saw great results with that. But as you start to look at, you know, this is a cohort of 45 people. Now I have to go to 50,000 people across the company. But as we're looking at our director population, that's 1,200 people. I can't break them into small enough groups that have enough people to coach that. So to be totally honest, Kevin, you know, I talked about this. Uh, we failed a lot. We <laughs> failed a lot. We tried everything. We did content where we were like, hey, go here, pull your content for the week and, and take care of it. Didn't happen. We'd have about a two or 3% uptick. Then we'd give them a calendar. We say, hey, here's your content. Take care of it. Do this. And we try a calendar invite. We did all of these different things that we we tried, but we realized that we had to remove the burden and the friction from the learner. I had to go to them and say, what is something that we all use across all of these different environments? How can we get to the lowest common denominator for everyone? That's going to be different for whomever or whatever your business is and whatever your business model is. For us, that's always been email. We are an email-heavy organization. And we are one of those that if it's in your Outlook, you are going to take action on it. And so that's when we started trying it out. And we said, hey, let's try just doing one or two. Here's your learning. And it's right here. Just click. We get a little bit better of an uptick on that. Okay, we're getting some traction here. We're getting more. And then we figured out it's not an... as important to just tell them they need to do something. We need to remind them that it needs to be done and also that other people are gonna be looking forward to how they experience this learning as well. So that's where you get the different types of nudges that we came in with. So we leveraged at Home Depot, we love a great price tag of free 99. <laughs> so we love that price. And we leveraged the platform. So I built in there using Power Automate, a automated email system. So I could create a list of emails for it to send to a certain population, and it would just cycle through it automatically, all based on a date. So when a new cohort come in, I would say, hey, number one, welcome to the cohort. 
this is what's going to happen with you. This is what's going to be going on. This is the parameters of the program. And here's what you should expect from us. That was day one. The week before their first team meeting, where they were supposed to discuss their learning, what they took away from it, we sent them a reminder. We said, hey, by the way, you're going to be meeting on Thursday with your group. And you're going to be discussing what you were supposed to learn this week. And it's attached in this email. This is what you should be doing. And then they meet on Thursday. And on Friday, we sent a, a follow-up email and said, we hope you had a great time. If you weren't able to meet, please reach out to one of your peers and learn from them. By the way, here's your next learning. We'll see you in a week. So we kept this rhythm going to where whenever they saw my name, they knew it meant action. And they mm. knew that they had to do something. And don't want to say use the word nag. We use the word nudge, but we really push them to say, hey, listen, this is in my inbox and I'm going to take action on it. So that's what we did. Yeah, Michael, so much stuff there that I'm going to come back to emphasize a few things that I think are really uh, key takeaways. Everyone on the call, please feel free to ask questions in the chat and Michael, we can take those and or uh, raise your digital hand and we can uh, pull you, uh, you know, turn on your mic and, and get you that way. Michael, I want, and I'll, I'll come back to the technical side of it as well, but it was amazing. Like you said that, like a key understanding was you need to remove the friction between the learning and the learner. Friction is something um, I think a lot about. I use that word a lot in the goal setting book that's coming out. I talk about, you know, you want great habits in life. Well, reduce the friction to doing the good stuff and increase the friction on your bad behaviors. And with all of us trying to increase participation, doing behavior change at work, it's similar. It's, you know, remove that friction. And that led you to think about put the nudges where they live and so you mentioned that it's email at Home Depot primarily, right? And I'm curious in the audience, you know, maybe um, where do the people live in your organization? Is it Teams? Is it Slack? Is it email? Is it something else? I'd love to. I'd love to to hear in the chat where most people think that their team members live. I had someone uh, who I actually need to get back to yesterday reached out and said, hey, you know, we're living in Salesforce, salesforce.com, pretty much. We need all our communication to now go through, you know, Salesforce systems. SharePoint, yeah, that's interesting. So that was like a key thing. You're like, hey, they're already in email. That's where the, the nudge is going to go. Michael, you said there was different types of nudges. Can you go a little bit deeper on that? So it wasn't like one nudge is the just reminder, do this learning thing. But what were some of the other emails that you would send out? The first one we always did was uh, just welcome to the program and setting out expectations. So you finished your in-person coursework and then the very next morning, you got an email that said, hey, welcome to this program. Every single week, you're going to be hearing from us and we're going to be continuing the learning from what you just did in class. We're going to continue to drip this knowledge and practice it. And that's what we call action learning. So on-the-job tasking, where we're saying, you need to do this on the job to practice what you learned in class. So reinforcing. And this is a six-month-long program that we have an in-person course, the first, then we have six months in between of this drip method where they're getting this content. And at the end, they have a capstone where they talk about it again, and they have to unpack that. The first nudge was just, hey, here's a welcome to the program. Here are the expectations. Also, by the way, when you see my emails, this means in your inbox is now going to be your learning. And we actually attach in there a calendar as well as a uh, the very first assignment they're supposed to do. So that's the first nudge we said. So we set expectations, a very clear, I'm the person that if you need help, reach out to me. If you have any questions, if you're going to miss a class, if you're going to do anything along those lines, I'm going to be your point person. So it's not coming from a generic account. And they feel as if someone is actually working with them. So you add a little accountability there. It's this, neat that it's it's a, it's assigned like it's you. It's not just info at Home Depot reminding them to do their, you know, their their next action. It's actually a person which I would think would have uh, a boost in terms of the results. Speaking of results, how do you know if the nudges helped or not? Great question. So, and yes, it did. So it came from Michael Cave at Home Depot. So if they hit reply, they replied directly to me. That's how the system was set up. So they would immediately go directly into my inbox. And so they knew they had a line to a real person, to your point, not a generic inbox. So how we knew it was working is before the nudges came in, we would have classes where we would expect around 30 to 40 people to show up. In every other week, they would come in 
and they would discuss what they'd learned over the past two weeks on this on the job learning. They would say, I practiced it. This is what happened to me. This is what I took away from it. And they were to discuss that every other week with that new task that they were getting delivered. Well, out of between 30 to 40 people, we were getting four, five people showing up. And out of those four or five people, they just clicked the calendar invite that was next on their calendar, didn't really realize what they were getting into sometimes. When we started the nudges, that's when people started showing up and we saw a tenfold. And mm. so we started seeing folks coming in and not only were they saying, I did it, I practiced it, but I knew what I was supposed to do. And I'm practicing with my team. Even if they said, I've been busy or I've been out on vacation this week, I understood what the assignment was. So I'm going to take it back, but let me listen to you. What did you learn from this assignment? What did you take away from it? So as I'm practicing this, I can really understand how to apply that to my own world. And that's the magic. You know, we want people to, out of the 70, 20, 10 model, we really want them that 10% to get some content. 20% is in this meeting where they're learning from others and their network. Hey, what did you learn? And that 70, we're really driving practice this with on-the-job tasks. And that's how we drove these nudges is we also said, the learning that we're sending to your inbox, if you were to take a look at it and we're saying, hey, practice this on the job. They look at it and they say, well, I should be doing that anyways. Why am I not? So we had that validity. Oh, this is probably something I should try and do. And so that's kind of the balance that we had. And so those meetings, now that they were doing the actual tasks because they were reminded to do them, they felt less and less like a training and development meeting and more like a standard work meeting because Mm -hmm. people came in and said, I'm doing this with my team, solving this with my team. That's what we got the energy in there. So they were learning from doing, and it was really hard for them to discern between what is learning and what is my job? What is work? Because we were weaving those together. No, that's that's great. That's the ultimate. I'm going to take a couple of questions here from the chat. Krisha from Kaiser Permanente, you, you talked a little bit about this, but you can elaborate. How long after the in-person classes did the nudges occur and how often? They start the very next day. So they walk out of class and they get home and the very next morning in their inbox, they have the welcome to the program. This, These are the expectations. And then the way it works is they have two weeks to do their assignment. So they got the welcome email. The Monday before their discussion group, which those discussion groups would be an hour where they break into breakout groups every other Thursday. And they would talk and learn and, and share their learnings. The Monday before that, they would get a reminder, hey, make sure you've done your action learning. Make sure you've done your tasks. So you are prepared for the discussion on Thursday. They go to their session on Thursday. On Friday, they get a thanks for coming email. I hope you had a good discussion. If not, catch up. But here's the next learning. So they would have in one week, and we'd leave them alone. So I see that, did they have email fatigue? They'd only get two emails from us every other week. So on that Monday before their session and the Friday after their session. And then the week in between sessions, they got no communications from us. So they knew when they saw our emails coming through, oh, my class is coming up. I've got to, I've got to get my homework done. So every other week, they were getting two emails from us, one on Monday and one on Friday. So I wanted to come back to this too. People are asking to, to go deeper into the technology. Like how the heck did you pre-schedule all these nudges going to the right people at the right time? I had a lot more hair before I figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> I tested a few different things. The first thing I tested out was a delay send. We all know we can do delay sends in our Outlook. So tried that and learned a little glitch that most times if you don't log into Outlook, it doesn't do the delay sent. It can snag, so it won't go. So it became dependent on me being in the office or on my computer in order for these to be sent out. And so there was a flaw in the system. So then we started looking around and I found that Microsoft Office as part of our Microsoft licensing has this platform called Power Automate. And what it does is it goes and automates some administrative tasks that you want to see. So if you want to have, let's say someone sends you an email and it's a to-do, you can have it go into a form for a checklist. It does a lot of different administrative tasks for you. But one of the things it can do is it can do a basically a basic if-then statement. If this is true, then do this. And it can give you an action to do 
So it just took a little bit of tinkering and figuring out. So I was able to leverage SharePoint where I built a couple of different SharePoint sites where I had different information needed. And then I had the Power Automate connect all of those together. And it was all date sensitive. So instead of it having some sort of like timer in three days or something along those lines, it will actually say on X date sent Y email. And it goes through an if-then statement and then it sends that email. That's great. Yep. Crystal Richards dropped the link to more information about Power Automate getting started. Thanks for that. Kevin at BCBS said, did I hear correctly, Michael has a bi-weekly assignment for six months on a single workshop topic. Talk about the topics in this program and then how those tied to the, the cadence of your nudges. I work with an incredible team. Jennifer Ferrara is, if y'all haven't heard of her, got to meet her, she's incredible. So she was the uh, one architecting this, the topics behind this, this program. And what we did is we have, an, for the director program, we have a two-day in-person event, and then six months later, another two-day in-person event. And for the six months in between those, that's when we're doing those every other week action learnings. For the first three months of that six months, we are unpacking everything they learned in the workshop the first two days. And we're saying, you've learned this, now let's go and practice this on the job. Let's go and let you kick the tires a little bit and figure out how to make this your own. The last three months, what we did was we started preparing them for the second two-day session. So that was going to be more around team building, understanding your team, understanding how to set strategy for your team. And with that, we started getting them to basically build their workbook that they were going to come into the second session with. And then they were going to workshop that together. So the second session was unpacking what they had been slowly working through the last three months. And that made that second session incredibly more powerful because they've already been working on it. So instead of coming in to learn, they came in to really just it all and finesse it. Yeah, Michael, it's interesting. And I'm glad you you broke that out because I'd forgotten about that. And with the LeadX nudge engine, people often will use it either to do the pre-work before the live session or as post-work to help them apply it, you know, uh, back on the job. And so you're doing sort of like the pull through in the first three months and then the pre for the the following three months for that capstone. It's kind of a neat, a, a neat way to switch it, you know, switch it up. We're getting a question uh, from Kim about, you know, how do you reach your frontline leaders out on the floor, not on a computer or cell phone, you know, maybe for safety reasons. I'm not sure if that was your audience for this, but talk about reaching the different different folks. Yeah. So for us at the Home Depot, we have email addresses that only go to a certain population within the organization. The overall size of the Home Depot is around 500,000 associates. So we don't have email addresses for everyone. For our frontline associates, if they are in the store, the vast majority of them have a device in their hand that's provided when they when they come in. So an iPhone, uh, they can leverage that has training loaded into it. For folks that might be in our supply chain areas, they're going to need to go to a, a training computer. So that's going to be located in uh, in the break room, an area like that. And we use Workday Learning for that. And so all of our associates who don't have uh, an email address are to be notified by their leadership they have training to complete. So just due to the size and scale, we're not able to go directly to every single associate. And that does make it a little bit more difficult when you want to kind of have that drip method through the entire organization. So that is something we, we struggle with as well. Yeah. And that reminds me, I can't remember if we talked about this when we were doing the article, but Michael, you talked about you, you have success with like fillable PDF forms as part of your nudge activities, right? And I think I was, it was funny because so LeadX, when we started, we put all our activities into fillable PDFs. We have these beautiful fillable PDFs. We have hundreds of them. But one of the pieces of information that we got back in terms of a critique was, I can't fill out the PDF on my smartphone. It's, you know, I can't type. It doesn't, it doesn't scroll right. So we, in the last year and a half, have gone through this huge effort to replace all of our fillable PDFs with text equivalents, article equivalents, unless someone launches it. So I, I think, you know, you've had success with the PDFs, but it's, again, the assumption of knowing where your audience is going to access it. And they were going to be on laptops or desktops, right? That and tablets. So tablets. both of them, you know, in this audience are going to have tablets to be able to leverage, or uh, especially for those that are more 
road warriors, they have a tablet that has a, a cell phone plan attached to it. So they have the ability just to type directly into it. For folks that don't have that capacity, that's when we go back into our traditional LMS system and have them work through that. But for our folks that are on the go that have the access to this different technology, it's the lowest common denominator for them is to do those fillable PDFs. Again, we went and said, hey, this works for us. This works for our population. And that's where you all have to go and figure out for your own group what worked for us is not going to work for you. We have different environments. And there are even environments within our group that people get a little bit frustrated. They would much rather have that shiny, shiny technology of some sort that they could do that article type fill in piece. But if I'm leveraging an iPad in the field, that's not going to work. So for a smaller population of folks that are going to be working on their computer, that's great. But how can I make sure that everyone has equal access to this content and equal access to be able to do it. That's where we went for that lowest common denominator. Love it. Hey, in just a second, Evan, I do want to see if uh, maybe we give everyone just a, a speed networking session, five minutes, put people in triads or something like that. And Michael, while Evan's getting ready for that, any advice? So lessons learned from it, or if someone out here is like, hey, I'm going to go become a power Microsoft, whatever that was, and set this up or buy a nudge system. Like what advice would you give them to the, what, what are the, what are the gotchas or keys to making it work? The keys to making it work are honestly, don't be afraid to fail. You've got to try it with something small, try it with a small group, pilot with folks. The way we have it now is probably iteration 15, not <laughs> even joking. So fail, but fail fast. And make sure that you're saying, hey, does this work? Where does it not work? Where's the friction? Okay, what did we learn? And then move on. And don't get attached to the process, just get attached to the outcome. How do we drive that outcome? How we get there is always going to be flexible, but always driving that out. Love it, Michael. Thank you for sharing. I hope you're going to stick around for a few more minutes. Michael, thanks again for for giving us your time and your wisdom. It was great to do the, the Forbes piece, and it was great to have you here. You could tell the the comments really lit up. And uh, I'm sure you're going to be a popular guy on LinkedIn as everyone reaches out now and uh, you know tries to connect to pick your brain some more. I also asked Evan to drop a link to the, we have an ebook called Nudging Leaders, which of course is sort of more philosophical. Our experience is using you know, our nudge engine, but the approach is, is the same no matter what technology it is. So that's great. Dwayne, as we wrap up, any final words for the for the week, for the monthly meeting? Yeah, I would say that, you know, right now we're essentially halfway through, right, the year. And there's probably programs and people and things we've tried, and it may have failed and just caused us pain. And I would just encourage all of us to take a look at it. It's kind of like when you're crossing monkey bars. Let go of that pain in order to move forward. And because you may have tried to execute it, but maybe it wasn't executed at the right level. So don't be afraid to revisit some of the people and projects that you may have fallen short on. Love that. Awesome message. On that note, everyone, feel free to stick around. We're going to hang out for a few more minutes for the after party and talk about whatever we want to talk about. But if you've got a hop, have a great weekend. Thanks for investing in yourself and in others. And we hope to see you next month. Michael, thanks again. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org. Thank you.